Wasn't that awesome? That was in-house, hey? Those guys did so well. They said that when Lee was running very fast in town, they were quite nervous that people were going to start running after him. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, to that video, every one of us, I don't know, I think it's in the souls of our, our DNA. We believe that there is this life we can live that's, that's just a little bit further than where we are, that if we get enough power, we can, we can live this life that is extraordinary. And, uh, and, and so the way we think about this is we, we kind of go, if I can give all of myself and be disciplined enough in that career or that sport or that hobby or that way of life, then maybe I can get there and be extraordinary. It's, it's kind of, it's wired into us. It was wired into you, I think, by God. And uh, I, was, I was thinking about how you get there because most of us don't have the power to get there. We, we kind of run out of the power to be disciplined, the power to keep going, the power. We, we run out of power, so that's, that's one component. But my wife always, she jokes to me, she says, babe, if you were to trade wisdom or youth, which one would you choose? You know the thing, wisdom? So like, could I go back to my 20s and be as dumb as I was in the 20s? Or, or uh, wisdom or youth, which one, which one would, you, would you choose? And because I'm not very wise, I keep saying youth every time. Youth, that would be amazing. But uh, I grew up um, in, in the age of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And uh, may the force be with you. And, uh, and, and Karate Kid. And, and the thing about Luke Skywalker and Karate Kid is that they were quite lame until they met Obi-Wan Kenobi and that Japanese guy who could, who could catch flies with the, with the chopsticks. Just, just tell me, how many of you tried to catch a fly with a chopstick after Karate, karate Kid 1? Some of you are like, oh, what is Karate Kid 1? You, you only saw the Will Smith one. No, no, there was another one where you had to, it was amazing, wax on, wax off. And, uh, uh, and, and, and there, was, there was Morpheus and Neo, and, and the whole thing about it was that if you gave yourself completely to this like, Jedi ninja dude, he would take you and he would make you into something phenomenal. But you had to wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. You had to, uh, sorry, if you didn't watch the movie, you have to watch the movie. But you, you had to completely give yourself to being beaten up by Morpheus so that you could become the Neo. So just completely give yourself to, uh, to being discipled. And, uh, and then I had another message from culture, and the other message was, don't be discipled, be yourself. Like, get your own kind of special, be your own different, like, be all you, don't let anybody else control you into being like them. And, and I must admit, we must give thanks for that message, because half of the humor in the world exists because of that message. I mean, Donald Trump is just humor, start to finish. It's like one thing, like he's his own kind of special. It's just, there are people who are their own kind of special because of that message. No one shaped them. Like, we can't pretend they did. I was watching, did you see the Fury fight? I don't know if anybody watched the Fury. I don't know if, as a pastor, I'm allowed to watch the Fury Fight. Anyway, I, I watched the Fury Fight, and I thought, at the end of it, he, he claims Jesus, Christ as Lord and Savior. It was amazing, because you're not expecting it from that. Uh, and, uh, and so he claims Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then he's getting interviewed. Oh, sorry, I, I might need that. Uh, he's, he's getting interviewed, and, uh, and during the interview, I think he gets bored of the interview, so he just starts singing a song. 
This is just a random song, and he sings along, and everybody sings with him. And I could see the interviewer was, was thinking to himself, I don't think I can get that mic out of his hand. I mean, the hand's about this big. But they are kind of special. I think we grew up more influenced by don't be shaped by anyone than by be discipled. And so where you hear the thing of you need to be discipled or you, you need to become a follower of Jesus, you need to become like him, you think cult, control freak, you think all of those things and we push against it. But we miss out. We choose youth over wisdom. And uh, imagine we could have had wisdom given to us in our youth. Imagine what that would look like. You know, the, the Jews understood this. And uh, they, they, had, uh, they had a concept of discipleship that actually started, you have to trace it right back to the beginning. And if you're not a Christian for a while, this is gonna be like quite biblical stuff and then we'll, we'll make it fun again. Um, you would be, what happened in the beginning was Moses was told by God to find 70 men to lay his hands on and give them authority to lead Israel. <clears throat> the, the, the picture was, Moses, you can't do this on your own. Get some wise elders, lay hands on them, and they will, will take authority over the, over the nation. What then happened, tradition tells us, this is not in the Bible, tradition tells us is that those 70 men laid their hands on disciples who they passed the message on to. And, and what you've got to understand is in the Jewish world, they knew the only thing that kept them together as a nation was the Word of God. And so into the fabric of being a disciple was knowing the Word of God. And so Gary spoke about that lots last week, how Jewish kids would, would grow up in the first sort of up to 10, they would learn <coughs> the Torah. They'd learn the first five books of the Testament and Old Testament. And then if they were the best of the best, they would learn the rest of the Old Testament up to Malachi and they would know this verbatim. And, and if they were the best of the best of the best, they'd be chosen by a rabbi to become a disciple. And, and he spoke about the privilege of that. In fact, you think about it, from, from Moses' day, through generation after generation, they were looking for the special ones who could be all they were made to be because they devoted themselves so much to the Torah and their rabbi. And so by the time we get to Jesus' day, there are only a few rabbis around. There, there were probably only about 12 and so <clears throat> the rabbis would go and they would find disciples and they went to this little place called Capernaum. Now, if, you, if you've been there, it's really beautiful today, but back in the day, it was very small. And it became like the Harvard or the Oxford of Israel. It was where rabbis would go to choose disciples, where disciples would go to be chosen by rabbis. And what they would do is because the disciples so wanted to be like the rabbi, the disciple, this, this term dust, the disciple wanted to be as close as the dust. They wanted the dust of the rabbi to rub off on them. And what they were saying is the rabbi would pray certain prayers at certain times and, and they wanted to know what they prayed. They wanted to know how they taught. Each rabbi would have his own interpretation of the scriptures. And, and what the Jewish people believed was that if you were a rabbi, you had authority from heaven to interpret the scriptures. And that was called a yoke. And so each rabbi had his own yoke. And so Christians hear this, spoken of Jesus, where it says, everyone was amazed at his teaching. He taught with authority and not like the teachers of the religious law or the teachers of the law of Moses. 
And what most Christians believe, when I chat to them, is that Jesus taught with like a Morgan Freeman voice, and uh, everyone got goosebumps and, uh, and, and thought to themselves, I've never heard anything like this. But that's not what this is saying. See, in those days, there were teachers of the law, teachers of the Torah, and there were rabbis. Teachers of the Torah would teach from the first five books of the Bible, but they were not given authority. It was called shmicha. Look at me, I've even got some Jewish words, Hebrew words. Shmicha, to interpret the scriptures, they just taught from the Torah. Then there were these special rabbis who didn't just teach from the Torah, they taught from the Tanakh as well, which is the rest of the Old Testament, and they had authority to interpret the scriptures. And so when they're listening to Jesus, they're hearing him say things like, you heard it said, but I tell you, and they're going, this guy thinks he's a rabbi. He's teaching with authority like a rabbi. And they're going, where did he get his authority from? That's the question they keep asking Jesus. Where did you get your authority from? How did you get authority? Who appointed you? Because Moses appointed 70 and Aaron, Aaron was his witness. And from that day on, whenever a rabbi was gonna be appointed, there had to be two rabbis, one rabbi appointing another witness, seeing it. And they're going, who appointed you? Because you're a carpenter. So how did you suddenly miss the system and become a rabbi? And then Jesus would always say clever stuff like this. He's, he would say, because in rabbinical kind of language, you are, they asked a question, then you asked a question back. I can't really understand it. I'm not clever enough. But, but in that way, they would get to an answer. So, so Jesus would say, well, I want to ask you a question. Did John the Baptist's baptism come from heaven or from man? Which is really sneaky of Jesus. Because if they said it came from heaven, then he was going to go, well, why didn't you follow him? And John the Baptist, remember, John the Baptist was the guy who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What John the Baptist was doing is he was saying, there is an anointed one sent from heaven. heaven. There's a rabbi. That was one of the witnesses. And Jesus knew if they were to say John the Baptist was from heaven, then they were in trouble. And if they said John the Baptist was from earth, then they were gonna get stoned. He was winning every time. Jesus knew how to play the argument game. So he goes, who do you think John the Baptist is from? Because my shmicha comes from John the Baptist and the voice from heaven that said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And later on said, this is my son, listen to him. He is a rabbi anointed by God with shmicha to make a difference in the world. Really important. Here's why. Rabbis not only interpreted scripture, but rabbis went, went one step further. Rabbis in history, we, we don't see this in the Bible, but in, throughout history, you see stories of rabbis performing miracles. It was not unheard of for, for people when they, when they found out about Jesus to go, he's a rabbi, he performs miracles. It was just like, that was accepted. What was different about Jesus was the number of miracles. He was performing miracles left, right, and center. They were performing one here and one uh, 10 years later. Jesus was just everywhere. And the power of his miracles. It, people kind of, they, they thought that Jesus was just another rabbi, but on, on like super something. It, it was his teaching. And the thing about his teaching that was different was that Jesus would teach 
about himself. Every other rabbi would teach only about God, but Jesus would say, I am the way to God. So his teaching was slightly different. His was actually completely different because of that. His healing was the same, but different, empowered. And then what was most profound was that Jesus went and chose disciples. He didn't test disciples. There were only two rabbis ever who chose disciples randomly. I mean, I'm sure God had something to do with it, but, but every other rabbi would ask questions and test these oaks to see if they were like ninjas themselves and see if they were smart enough to be like the rabbi. But Jesus, another guy called Galileo, they went and they, they believed, well, Galileo, he said this, he said, I believe that God can make anyone into a disciple if they give themselves to him. And so he just randomly chose disciples. Jesus was the other one. He went and found Peter and all these guys who, who weren't the best of the best. And he, he went, I believe that you can be like me. And that meant you can bind and loose. You can teach the scriptures like I teach the scriptures. And you can perform miracles, which is why he says, if my word lives in you, you will ask whatever you want in my name and it will be done for you. Here's what he's saying. You will be able to perform miracles. In fact, he says, you will do greater things than I do. Jesus, the great rabbi, chose some disciples because he believed they could not just be like him, they could do more than him. Now, if you're a non-Christian and you've zoned out, you know, you know my, my job really is, is to create a felt need. And a, a felt need, especially if you've zoned out when it comes to miracles, a, a, a felt need is like, this really matters to me. And right now, this might not be mattering to you. But I have two words which will make the rest of the sermon matter to you. Because I'm going to be talking about power to heal and power in your life and miracles. Two words. I don't know if I'm allowed to say these two words. Coronavirus. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you believe. When a pandemic hits, you'll pray. So I am going to teach you how to pray with power and understand that Jesus, who's given all authority in heaven and earth, has given us shmicha. If you're a follower of Jesus, you believe in Jesus, he's given us shmicha to see the power of God work out in our lives. So I'm going to read a hectic story. Like if you thought it was hectic up until now, it's just going to escalate. A hectic story. It's from Acts 19 verse 9. Paul's just got to Ephesus. He gets there and uh, he finds some people who believe in Jesus, but they haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says to them, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? How did you, did you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? They say, no, I only got baptized in water. By the way, we've got a baptism class on the 23rd of March. If you want to get baptized, because that was awesome, 23rd of March. But they say, no, we've only been baptized for the forgiveness of sins. So he says to them, you need the Holy Spirit. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now he's got some disciples. He starts teaching in the synagogue as they would have. And the next thing that happens is he gets kicked out. Three months of Paul, that's all they can take. You're out of here. So he goes to the lecture hall in Tyrannus. I want to read this. He took the disciples with him and, and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. 
Now, I don't know what the difference between an ordinary miracle and an extraordinary miracle is, but he did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them, which would be useful. You know, power, it's the capacity to perform or act effectively. It's strength or force that is exerted or, the capa or that is capable of being exerted. And you need power. You need power to overcome sin. You need power to change your culture at work. You need power to turn your business around. You need power to make a marriage work. You need power to, to make friendships and relationships work. You need power to shift an economy. You need power. Everyone's looking for power. You know, why... <laughs> Eskom, it just comes to mind. I'm talking about power. Eskom's just diving in there. But you know why the, the country gets into so much chaos? Because we don't feel like we've got power. And we feel like someone else is going to come and take our power. To have a car with no engine is to have a car with no power. And many, many Christians have no power. And you need power, which is why you need to listen to this message. You, you need the power of God flowing through you. Jesus says you can have it. Paul had it. You need to know what he knows. Okay, so he is healing left, right, and, and center. Then some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. If you, if you don't believe in demon-possessed, you're just going like, just go like serious issues. Okay, they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. Okay, a Jewish chief priest, not probably a rabbi, but probably mixed with rabbis and saw people being, demons being cast out, so had learned something from them. He decides that they're going to they're tell the, the demons to come out. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Now, whether you believe in demons or not, if you are around someone and you hear a strange voice saying, Jesus I know, Paul I know about, but who are you? Run. Because <laughs> then it says, then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma, which is about 150,000 rand. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. I want to make three points and then we're going to go home. Point number one, power comes to those who know Jesus, not those who know about Jesus. The sons of Sceva, I think, were good people. I don't know. But they were walking around 
trying to cast out demons to people who had horrible lives. It seems like a good thing. I want you to know that God is not a humanitarian. It's really important. I hear this conversation so many times. They're good people. Why doesn't God? Because God is not looking for good people. He's looking for people who have their son, his son, living inside of them. He's looking for people who know Jesus, not know about Jesus. When I was 21, I knew about Jesus. I'd gone to lots of church services, lots of weddings, lots of funerals. I had heard about Jesus. I could tell you that Jesus died for the sin of the world. I could tell you that Jesus promised that he could make our lives new. I could tell you that Jesus said he could heal the sick. I had heard it all, but it was not, I knew about him, I didn't know him. Then, during worship, the Holy Spirit grabbed my heart. I all of those messages came alive in my head. And I, before the preacher had said a word, I was, I want Jesus in my life. Some of you here know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. When I asked Jesus into my life, you know what changed? I had known that Jesus had forgiven the world of sin, but after I put up my hand, I knew that he'd forgiven me of my sin. It was personal. Before I knew that Jesus could change a life, after I'd put up my hand, I knew that Jesus was changing my life. Be before, I knew that there was probably a plan for my life. God said it somewhere. Afterwards, I could feel the presence of God shaping it. Before, I knew that there was a supernatural love. I'd heard about it, watched my mom, she seemed happy, but... Afterwards, I knew the personal love of God. And some of you sitting right here, you know all about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus, and so you can't have the power of God working in you because God is not a humanitarian. He is looking to empower his people. Friends, you need the power of God. You, you need it working in your life. First point, power comes to those who know Jesus, not those who know about Jesus. Second point, Power follows telling. So Paul has been preaching for two years out of a lecture hall to basically all of Turkey. Here's, here's a map of, it says all of Asia heard the gospel. So wrong map. There. This is a very skewed map. Okay, so, so that's where it says Asia. It's basically Turkey. All of Turkey has heard this dude preaching the gospel, telling them, arguing with him, telling them why, why Jesus is Lord. And the scripture says this. It says that signs and wonders, or, or let me read in Mark 16, 20. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Here's the deal. Signs and wonders follow the preaching or the telling of Jesus. If you want God to give you power, you have to give Jesus. Here's the beauty of this. Signs and wonders do not follow perfect people perfect, preaching a perfect message. Signs and wonders follow a perfect message in anybody's hands. You see, God confirms his message, not his person. If you want power operating in your life, 
let me get personal. If your business is in a mess and you need power to get this thing out, to get up in the morning, if you've got sickness in your body, you need power. The way power comes is you make your life about Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost. What you're doing there is you're being a disciple. You're going, I'm gonna make my life about you and I'm gonna tell people about Jesus or I'm gonna lead an alpha or I'm going to somehow bring a person to church. Here's, here's what you're doing. You're bringing the message of Jesus and God follows that with signs and wonders, which is why some of you, you heard the message of God and whilst you were listening about Jesus dying for my sins and all of that, suddenly you had goosebumps, your heart was beating. What's that? That's power. It follows the message. And if you want power in your issues, then get about Jesus' business and watch him bring power. Because the, here's the thing about power. When power flows through me to someone I'm telling about Jesus, it doesn't just touch that person. It accelerates and excites everything inside of my spirit, which gives me power, not just there, but here too. And some of you have switched that off because you're going, I'm in such a mess. My marriage isn't fixed. How can I tell people about Jesus? Here's how. My marriage isn't a mess, but let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> when power starts to flow there, it will flow there. Last thing. Power changes people. I mean, you've got to think about this. How come some dudes get together, they see Paul's casting out demons, they go, that's a good idea, let's try that. It goes badly for them, and everybody finds out. And then Oaks start bringing scrolls, I mean, why did they have scrolls in the beginning anyway? I, I read these things and I go, what's up with that? Here's why. It says, the people who were practicing sorcery. So here's, here's why you practice sorcery, because I'm sure not too many of you do this in your spare time. But here, here's why you practice sorcery. Sorcery is a way of bringing the supernatural power into your life to either control, manipulate, or scare others. So they had scrolls to manipulate demons to push away, hurt, affect other people. They probably didn't understand what was happening, but that's what happens. And they go, flip sacks. That oak tried with his scrolls to sort those oaks out using the name of Jesus. That didn't go well. Paul, he just talks about Jesus and then demons are flying left, right and center. I choose him. Here's, here's the beauty about power. You know, I, I'll be honest, I, I used to pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit like every single other day, I think. When I was a youth pastor, like I was the fallover guy. Just come, boom, 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 boom. Everyone fall over. And, uh, and, and I found that the falling over put off my non-Christian friends. And so... So I went, okay, I'll tone it down on the weird factor. Let's just pray for people, hold them. And, and over time, I, I just kind of like did less. And, uh, and then I decided, I said, enough of doing less. 
I'm going to tell more people about Jesus. I'm going to pray for more people who are sick. I'm going to pray for more people to be full of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray for... You know what started happening? Energy from nowhere just started flooding through. Stuff that was chaos, that I had done every... I have a coach, I have a shrink. Like, I've got issues. I've got people to help me. Like, I had done everything to try and fix this stuff. Suddenly, it's sorted out. How's that even possible? Power. Friends, you need power. It comes if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and you speak his message and you trust that he will come through for you. When you speak to people, this is how you do it. You tell them the message about Jesus and you go, now God, I've done my bit, your turn. And power will flow. And things like the coronavirus, they'll probably keep coming. And the Christian church, it has its greatest opportunity now to start learning the power of God and start practicing so that we can be a gift, so we can have no fear when that stuff comes, so that we can walk in, in faith and we can be free and we can see some healings. That's what the church is for. So seek power. Amen.